Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to the show. We just watched the Formula One Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen takes the win from Charles Leclerc in a great battle at the end of that race. That is what we've been looking for. That's what Formula One designed all these new cars for and all these new rules, and Max Verstappen comes out ahead, but it was a great battle. This is John Massengill. Sitting in the studio with Les Kaiser. How are you, Les? Uh, doing great. You're right. That is what we've been looking for. Yeah, and we have Bob Varsha over Zoom. Good afternoon, Bob. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Good race. Yeah, and we're going to have Chris Medlin. He is in Saudi Arabia. He's going to try to grab some interviews for us, and he'll be back with us here shortly. Bob, what'd you think? Yeah, we, um, we get what we paid for here with these new rules and new cars? Oh, I think definitely. You know, just like Bahrain last week, we saw a great pitched battle passing and repassing between the two fastest guys on the track in um, uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Charles Leclerc. Um, we saw drama. We saw we saw some really bad luck. I'm still feeling for our pole sitter, Sergio Perez, who uh, who missed out when the yellow flag flew right after Leclerc had uh, undercut him by stopping under green. Um, yeah, we saw a lot of great racing. And I have to compliment the TV coverage because, you know, when the battle cooled a little bit between Leclerc and Verstappen up front, they went to the other battles. And there were plenty of them in the field, including a really dicey one between the two uh, teammates at Alpine, Ocon and Alonso. Um, but there were a lot of great battles through the field. People moving up and down three, four, five places from where they started. A lot of attrition. You know, uh, we knew that Nick Schumacher wasn't going to start. But then when six more cars joined him in the garages, that's the most attrition we've seen since Hungary last year when we had that big crash at the first corner. So, uh, yeah, on the whole, I'd say it was terrific. And I always love watching these cars race under the lights because the cars just sparkle. It was great. They really do. I love just it. To, uh, just to jump in there, chap. Sorry, to, uh, Pete. I've got Christian Horner right in front of me, and he's got a big smile on his face because he's just won Red Bull's first race of the season and a great way, Christian, to respond to the disappointment of last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a, what a motor race. What a, what a great race. And I think, uh, you know, Max, it, 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 he, he drove, you know, tactically a great race. He used, uh, you know, the tires well at the end of the race and the straight line speed that we had. Obviously, there's a bit of cat and mouse in there, but, you know, between last weekend in Bahrain and this weekend in, um, you know, in, uh, in in Jeddah, it's been amazing racing between both uh, Max and Charles. So uh, desperately unlucky for Checo with that safety car just coming out at the wrong time. But uh, overall, a very strong weekend for him. Yeah. Do you think Checo was, was on for victory today? Because Charles was pushing him hard before that uh, pit stop and then the unfortunate safety car timing. He was pushing him hard, but Checo was controlling the gap. He was he had the pace. So, you know, it was so frustrating you know, when that safety car, but, you know, as we know with safety cars, sometimes they work for you, sometimes they go against you. And But what it has shown is that you have two drivers capable of fighting at the front, fighting for wins. How important is that going to be this season? Because Ferrari look like they're going to give you a heck of a run. It's massively important. We can see Ferrari's got a very quick car and uh, it was important for us to get on the board this weekend, you know, after the disappointment of last weekend. So, you know, we've managed to get that first victory um, and, uh, you know, we've got to build on that now. Yeah, what are the strengths you think that are in your car compared to Ferrari? Because from the outside, it looks like certainly straight line speed is one of those. Well, I think we ran a little less downforce here than Ferrari. So you could see they were very quick in sector one. We came back at them in sector two and were pretty even in sector three. So it was it was super tight between the cars today. You didn't get much of an off-season. It was an intense 2021. Yeah. But how enthused are you by how 2022 is shaping up? Well, I think so much effort went into last year's car, you know, in that championship battle. And 
we were late onto this regulation change compared to our our rivals. And um, you know, I think the whole team, all the guys and girls back in Milton Keynes, have just done an amazing job to to come on and turn up at these first two races. You know, have a pole position, a race victory. Um, you know, after the bad luck we had in Bahrain, the bounce back here has been strong. And do you think it'll be this close in Melbourne between you and Ferrari? Uh, I think that, you know, it's all going to be about development now. And uh, it looks like it's very tight between the two teams at the moment. So it's going to be who can unlock performance the quickest. Yeah, we look forward to seeing how that goes. Thank you very much for your time, Christian. Sorry, they're just jumping with uh, Christian Horner, but he's much happier than he was seven days ago, chaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I bet everybody in the Red Bull area is excited over there because last week was a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, uh, that was a real downer for them. And to be fair, when the safety car timing hurt Perez so much, they probably were fearing more of the same, that, that they were going to kind of lose a, a big opportunity because yeah, he did have some good control in the race then. But um, as we saw, Verstappen managed to get it done in what I thought was a, a dream finish. I don't know what uh, everyone else thought of it in terms of those final 10, 15 laps. But to see them be able to push so hard for so long uh, was, was really exciting and, and bodes really well for this season. Yeah, well, Chris Midland at, at Saudi Arabia. Uh, what else? Where are you exactly and what's going on around you? So I'm actually just about to try and chase uh, Pierre Gasly down the pit lane, or down the paddock, if he's willing to chat. Um, we've got a lot of drivers milling around at the moment doing different interviews. Uh, I've seen Alex Albon and Lance Stroll have headed down to the to race control to uh, speak to the stewards because they were in a, a little bit of trouble there for their uh, contact towards the end of that race. Uh, but we've got fireworks going off as well. It's, it's you know, it's, it's all very... Uh, <laughs> razzmatazz here actually they try and make a, a big old show at the end of it so any noises you can hear over, over my shoulder which apparently you can't with this microphone but it's so loud so many bangs and whistles that are going on when we're in the, uh, in the paddock it's amazing to me that you guys can hear me so clearly but uh, yeah head for atmosphere actually and uh, i think just because everyone's so positive after such a, a thrilling race and the way it finished we can actually hear the fireworks this time chris so that's good though but it's it's awesome that you're right there uh, as long as the Houthi rebels don't sneak one in on you during all the fireworks. <laughs> there you go. That, that was one. That was one thing that was um, kind of mentioned was to uh, everyone to be aware that there was going to be a lot of noise made by fireworks after the race, so not to panic. Good point, Bob. Very good. Very good. <laughs> hey, uh, so Chris, we saw lots and lots of battles up and down. I mean, with that Alonso and Ocon and Magnussen and Hamilton. I mean. And is everybody saying that these cars are just doing exactly what Formula One designed them to do? Yes, they are. They are. They're uh, they're excited by it. I was actually in the media center by uh, sitting with a number of other journalists, and at one point when it was a bit sort of settled down, wasn't it? Quite quiet with the uh, periods in control. And at that stage, you're like, oh, this race is, you know, not not quite boring, but you know, not a lot going on. And then they had to completely change their minds for that that final 15 lap stint because the, the fact that you could see drivers push, not have to back off, not have to preserve their tyres. You know, once Verstappen got ahead, Leclerc could come back at him. I think without that late, late uh, yellow flag, there was, I think, the start of the penultimate lap. Leclerc was in a really good uh, position to have a go at Verstappen back into turn one. He was very close, but DRS was uh, cancelled at that stage. So that was um, that would have been very intriguing to see, but that was what was so positive, is that it's not just about who's ahead is definitely going to win. We're going to get battles. And um, as you say, we saw them up and down the field and, and having a close field is something that really helps. McLaren were, were in that fight a bit more uh, this weekend. Lando Norris is just chatting away with Esteban Ocon at the moment with the uh, official F1 channel. But I'm going to try and grab Lando because he looks a lot happier than he was a week ago as well. Uh, obviously, Bahrain was not a good start for McLaren, but they, they showed some strong signs of recovery here. And Esteban Ocon, yeah. That fight with Alonso, that was close to the line. I'll see if we can get Otmar Zafnauer again. I know we've heard a lot from him this weekend, but he had his head in his hands, sitting on the pit wall for a spell because <laughs> it looked like those two Alpines were going to come together. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Hey, hey, Bob, you want to run down the uh, the finishing order and while Chris is hunting down some more interviews there? Sure, be glad to. Well, the winner, as you've heard, Max Verstappen. That's a win for Red Bull powertrains and only their second ever start. Yeah, I know, it's mostly Honda-based, but still... Uh, They got the job done and a great bounce back after Bahrain in the season opener a week ago where both of their cars and their powertrains failed. Finishing second, Charles Leclerc, that's where he started. Third, Carlos Sainz in the second Ferrari, also where he started. And then poor Sergio Perez, who was caught out by a safety car and could never recover. Started from his first career pole and wound up just off the podium in fourth for Red Bull. Fifth was George Russell, who I think 
did a spectacular job, even though he only gained one position from where he started. He was clearly the leader of the Mercedes team this weekend. And, Next, and after uh, sixth was seventh was Lando Norris, because sorry, but I've grabbed him as well. He's doing some photos to the fans. But Lando, right points ahead. on the board. How happy are you? Sorry, how happy am I? Yeah, I'm reasonably happy. I would have loved to have been P6. Um, that would have made me even happier, but I don't think today we could have done it. Uh, I got unlucky with the yellow flags. Um, and uh, the straight line speed of the Alpines were much higher than us. So kind of caught us out a little bit. And I think if there wasn't a yellow flag, we could have been P6, which would have been an amazing day for us. So some positive things for sure. We can look forward to hopefully more races like this if the tracks suit us. But I think realistically, we know we have a lot of work to do, especially if it's a, a slower speed track. Did, did you find strengths in the car though this weekend? Were there certain things where you thought, actually, we've, we've got a car that can race with other people? Yeah, I think um, especially today, like we weren't expecting to fight the Alpines, honestly. And, um, and we were. And uh, they were a long, long way ahead of us yesterday. And today we were much closer. So there were definitely positives. And I think this whole weekend has definitely been a lot more positive than, than Bahrain, which is good. I think it motivates the team. It keeps them working hard. It keeps them pushing. And um, we'll continue to try and make the improvements in the areas that we're, we're not so strong. And one thing that you could do was race because your power unit looks competitive here, or a bit more competitive at least compared to Bahrain. Is that a fair assessment or is that grimace on your face say not? Uh, it's harder to say uh, because of the different wings here. I think everyone in Bahrain kind of runs max downforce and you see more exactly how it is. Uh, here's a bit different. Everyone can run lower wings and stuff. And we're definitely um, maybe a little bit on the back foot, but uh, it's not where we need to improve at the minute. We need to go around the corners quicker first. Thank you, Lando. Cheers very much. So am I. Thank you. I've just been told that uh, someone else is live on there. We're all live on there. I feel like Martin Brundle telling people off. Anyway, um, yeah, that was Lando. Sorry for cutting you off there, Bob. Do you have a wrap I, I for us? We timed that perfectly, and you'd say his name. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that. Well, Bob, you want to pick up after Lando? Sure. Yeah. Well, we had Esteban Ocon there in sixth, then the man you just heard from, Lando Norris, in seventh, picking up four places from where he started, then Pierre Gasly in the uh, Alphatari. And if you do manage to collar Gasly, Chris, I'd sure like to know why the Red Bull powertrain works so well for Red Bull and not so well for AlphaTauri. But maybe it's not powertrain related. Then uh, I can Lewis Hamilton, a different Frenchman for you. Actually, I've got uh, Esteban Ocon right in front of me. If huh. that's all right, Esteban, Great. that was Uber. a tense finish again for you. Yeah, it was. A, it was a great race. There's been a, a lot of fighting, and you know, with these cars to race, it's like a go kart race. Um, you know, it's so fun. Um, so yeah, plenty of fighting with Fernando, plenty of fighting with uh, with Lando. I got my revenge over last year with uh, with Bottas. I got quite a bit of knowledge from there. So so yeah, it's been fun and uh, and you know all in all, it's very good two weeks for for myself. Um, obviously, best probably my best uh, career start of a Formula One, and um, and it's been a very strong start to the season for the team as well. It's a shame that Fernando couldn't complete the race, obviously. But uh, it would have been a double point finish again. And yeah, you mentioned that fight with Fernando. That looked right on the edge from the outside. What was it like inside the cockpit? No, I think it was uh, it was uh, nicely uh, fair racing. I mean, we know how far we can push it together, uh, me and Fernando. And uh, and it's a privilege to to race uh, against a legend like him. So, um, you know, all how close we are in qualifying, in the race, in practice. Um, I think there's more to come from from both of us. Well, we look forward to seeing how that goes. Well done, Stefan. No, great. Thanks, Chris. Sorry, Bob. I'll let you get through that eventually. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> what Esteban Ocon was talking about in terms of getting revenge on Valtteri Botas last year, right at the finish, Botas passed Ocon down to the line when uh, Valtteri was driving the Mercedes. This time around, it was Ocon getting the jump on Norris down to the finish line off the final corner. So, Gasly was eighth. Kevin Magnussen, sore neck and all, picked up a spot from his 10th starting position and finished ninth. Then Lewis Hamilton in 10th. Zhou Guanyu of China, good finish, just outside the points in 11th for uh, Alfa Romeo. Nico Hulkenberg equaled Lewis Hamilton, picking up five spots from 17th to finish 12th. And keep in mind that, like Kevin Magnussen, Hulkenberg had no time in these cars until he got uh, drawn in just before the final, uh, well, just before the race, actually, last week. Uh, and then the cars that were not classified at the end, uh, Alex Albon, Valtteri Bottas, Fernando Alondo, uh, Alonso, as you heard Ocon say, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, Nicholas Latifi, who crashed for the second time this weekend and brought out the safety car that caught out the race leader, Perez. Um, and then uh, Yuki Tsunoda. And of course, we know that uh, Mick Schumacher did not start the race 
uh, after that horrifying crash yesterday. All right, let's go to a break. And when we come back, we'll have more from Chris at Saudi Arabia and we'll be able to take some calls too. Listen to Speed City back after a break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky. The source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing. WindingRoadRacing.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. The Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, located at Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston, is designed to teach driving skills at all levels. Alan Rudolph trained NASCAR driver Chase Elliott in road course racing. With an incredible 2020 season performance, Elliott now has added NASCAR, NASCAR Cup Series champion to the family legacy, joining his father, Bill, who won the Cup Championship in 1988. This weekend, NASCAR Cup's leader, Chase Elliott, is driving right here in Austin and is considered by some to be the favorite. Allen also trained American F3 driver Jack Crawford, whose ambition is to become a Formula One pilot with Red Bull Racing. Allen is in, and his instructors and teach the concepts and skills needed before you get behind the wheel and out on the track where you'll experience the thrill and speed of kart racing visit speed sports racing racing that's speed sports with a z for more information all right so uh chris medlin do you have an interview for us or we take a call from a caller let's go for a call i might be able to get uh, a favorite of this caller if it's the right one because uh, andres seedles near me but he's, he's not quite free yet all right well let's go to andy p andy p how are you doing buddy are you happy that we just got lando on the air for you 
Well, that was great. Thanks. <laughs> great <laughs> that was timing. just for you. <laughs> What'd you think? I love it. I love it. Uh, I mean, this formula this season is something else, isn't it? I mean, my unbelievable. God, it's 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 so much fun. You know, in the past, you used to have move and move would be done, and that would be kind of it. This is move, counter move, and do you survive the counter move? And, and I'm loving, I'm loving it. It's, it's throughout the grid. It's not just at the front. That's obviously that was amazing. But I mean, there was battles all throughout the grid this race. Um, loved it. Absolutely you know, loved it. You're absolutely right. You you're now it used to be when that move was done, you'd go, okay, race is over. And now you're looking at the clock going. How many more of these cycles back and forth do we have time left for? Right. That's what right. really, I love that part of it. And and even, you know, as they said, you know, in that one turn, I forget which one they called out, you want to be second into that turn because of the DRS zone behind it. Well, Andy might want to hear yeah, who I have to speak to right now, actually, because I've timed this well as a McLaren fan, because I've got Andreas Seidel right in front of me. And Andreas, your first points on the board. How satisfied are you with today's race? Yeah, I'm very happy because after the difficult start for us, it was important today to score points. Uh, it's good for the morale in the team. Um, it was good to see also that in terms of strategy, the team was spot on today. Uh, pit stops were great. I think we did the fastest ones. Uh, and the pace actually, even on the hard tires, were quite competitive uh, compared to the Alpines, Alfa Tauris, which was definitely not the case last week. So lots of positives. Um, one negative is obviously that we had a technical issue with Daniel and uh, he had to had to stop the car because also he could do some points today. Um, so, but overall, very happy. Good motivation for the entire team to keep pushing hard and make sure we fight higher up again uh, regularly uh, moving forward. I was going to say, is this a positive just because of the track suiting you more? Or is this a positive because you found ways of getting a bit more performance out of your car that you knew was there? Yeah. Um, definitely we found more performance simply by all the learnings we could apply from last weekend. And then definitely this track here with the medium and fast corners was suiting our package better. At the same time, uh, we do not get carried away with the result from today. We benefited also from some cars dropping out. But again, we know what we have to do. We know that we have to improve the performance of the car. Entire team is fully focused to do that, fully committed, uh, very united. And uh, I can promise our fans uh, it's only a matter of time and uh, we will be back. And just finally, everyone's been saying about how exciting this racing is to watch. Is it exciting from your perspective too? And does it change the way you can actually go about racing, your strategies, things like that? Um, well, I think another big winner today are the fans again and the sport because I think it was second race now in a row where we got a great confirmation that uh, these new technical regulations are definitely going in the are, are going in the right way because. These close battles that we have seen over several laps, not just at the front, but also in the midfield, the battle, for example, that Lando had with, with Esteban, yeah, it's just great. That's what we want to see. And uh, I think we can, uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, again, a very exciting season. And a, another strong result for you guys in Melbourne. Is that a track that might suit you? Uh, let us analyze first, back home now, the first two race weekends, and then uh, let's talk again on Thursday in Melbourne. Yeah, long off flight to go out there, so hopefully it's a good one for you. Thank you very much, Andreas, for your time. There you go, Andy. When's your birthday? Because that's your birthday present. You got Lando notes before you called and the team boss after you called. Why didn't you jump in with a question, Andy? Well, it, Chris was doing such a good job. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and congrats on, on that. That I mean, he's a hell of a get. And, and um, one of the journos in the, in the paddock that I, I truly trust with what he says. So um, that, that's awesome for you guys. Well, you're talking to and, Chris, and, so you can, you can tell him yourself. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Andy. I can I'm, I'm, tell you that McLaren are definitely going to win next. No, don't trust me on that one. It might take a little while. <laughs> I'd love to see that, but um, I, I'm realistic too. I mean, they, they got a ways to go, but it was good to see them kind of up off the deck. Uh, and uh, But, I mean, it's the first step. It all starts with one step, and that's all that, that, that really I can, as a fan, uh, expect, that, that, especially after last week. Well, Andy, thanks, buddy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate you calling. You guys at Outlap have a good show, too. Andy does a podcast with a bunch of guys. So uh, let's see. What else, Chris? Anything else happening there? Well, I'll, I'll ask Bob another question unless you got somebody right in front of you. All right. No, you're good. Let's, let's hear from Bob. I'm just trying to dodge the pack up that's going on. Uh, <laughs> this place is a tip right now because everyone's trying to pack up their freight to get it either home to their factories or take it to Australia. <laughs> 
Uh, well, you know what, Bob? We we do have a couple more callers. Let me let me try to squeeze another call. How about Larry from Georgia? Hey, Larry, how are you, sir? Well, uh, I gotta believe after watching that race on the radio, and uh, what a show that was! Awesome I mean, for those uh, for those two guys at the front to have warm tires as long as those tires have been on that car. And sure, DRS had a lot to do with straight line speed to keep setting the track record. I mean, the, you know, the fastest lap of the race, lap after lap. But to push that hard through the twisties to be able to utilize DRS, you were seeing true greatness out there between those two drivers. That's real, true greatness to run that fast at the end of the race on worn tires and keep setting fast lap, fast lap, fast lap back and forth the guy behind you know, pushing that hard. It was phenomenal racing. I loved, I I would have loved to have witnessed it with my eyeballs. And and I think to me, the most interesting thing as the season goes forward is after the, the, the fifth that Lewis Hamilton pitched last year when he wasn't champion again, and his indecision as to whether or not to come back, his character is truly going to be tested this year in what is seemingly a substandard car that he's going to labor with all year I really think we're going to see what he's truly made of. Is that your prediction? It's going to be an interesting watch. That's my prediction. I really is. I I really think he's going to have a very, very difficult season, especially with the way Ferrari's gone back to the front. As hard as they've worked to get there, they're not giving it up. And Red Bull getting back there for the championship defense and what they've been able to do with that, quote, suspect, unquote, engine package. Yeah. What a season it's shaping up to be. This is shaping up to be one for the ages. But I really think Hamilton's going to be tested. We're going to find out what kind of character he truly has at his core. And it's going to be interesting to see. Are you and, behind and I'm pulling for him. I re- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, are you behind the wheel of the big rig today? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was able to get back in last month. Um, I was out for a time. It'd be the second time they put me out, but I'm back in, so... Well, Larry, we, we always appreciate your thoughts. And, uh, yeah, the prediction of, of Mercedes struggling for the rest of the year, that could be interesting. Thanks, Larry. All righty, travel well, safe. The other part is how much Russell's pushing him. <laughs> he's no Valtteri yep, Bottas. He has his own ambitions, and he's a heck of a wheel man. So I think he's going to be pushed both by the, the lack of performance by the car and George Russell. That's why I think he's going to be tested like never before. And Larry, you are the most well-informed truck driver on the planet. That is very insightful. Yard's going to let Larry call in, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Larry. We're going to let you grow, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, Bob. I'm going to come back to you here. Um, I wanted to get your your thoughts. I mean, I know we, we took, covered most of the up and down the grid, but, but what else, mm-hmm. Bob, from today's race? Well, a couple of points I'd like to make. One is... It's a little difficult asking team principals or drivers about Melbourne coming up in two weeks because that track has been changed and it's going to be a lot faster. And so I think there's a lot of questions still to be answered about Melbourne. It's not the same old Melbourne anymore. And the other point is about um, the DRS, drag reduction system. Originally brought in, a lot of people thought, well, it's just a gimmick that somebody who's not quite as fast gets a chance to be faster and get around somebody. But we saw instances today, and Kevin Magnuson on Lewis Hamilton is one of the ones that occurred to me, where it becomes a real tactical weapon. Because at one point, Magnuson even slowed up and opened the door on the inside so Hamilton could go by him just before they got to the DRS detection point which means that Hamilton no longer had the DRS advantage on the next straightaway. Magnuson had it, and we saw what we saw. He, he blew on by. I'm sure that happened multiple times in this race, but it's a really tricky and I think a really clever thing for the driver to be aware of where those detection points are and use them to, uh, you know, in, a, in a head-to-head battle. Yeah, it's a good point. I, you know, DRS... Like you said, gimmicky, if thought of it first, and nobody really loved it, but it served its purpose. But this year, it's a whole different animal, isn't it? I mean, it's something we're really going to have to watch watch closely and see how it all plays out. But so far, so good. Um, Chris Medlin, how's it going out there? It's going good. I've still not been run over by any forklift trucks, which is a good thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like Bob's spot on about the, the way that DRS has been used here. I mean, you could see it with some of the fights earlier in the race that some drivers were willing to get a move done into the final corner and they could stay ahead 
Lewis Hamilton did a good job with that. I think George Russell, when he overtook Esteban Ocon, if I'm recalling it correctly, managed to get the move done so late that he got the DRS for the pit straight anyway. So then got ahead out the final corner and had DRS to pull away. And that really worked well. I think that was the perfect tactic if you could make that happen. But uh, as he said, there's right. there's different ways of using it. And, and it's quite clear on this circuit, the best place to overtake anyone is into turn one because you can't overtake them again until maybe turn 13 at a push, but realistically not until the end of the lap. So by giving up or losing a position into turn one, it's very hard to fight back for a number of corners. Now, fortunately, close cars could could keep following each other and it meant the battle could continue. But if you really wanted to make a move stick, you wanted to do it into turn one. And I think that's why we saw so much of that cat and mouse going on. But uh, just to also mention, I'm not sure if we've covered it yet, actually. Um, I haven't seen an update on this, but the stewards did say they're reviewing the final two laps of that race because of all the yellow flag infringements that went on. So laps 49 and 50, uh, because there was double wave yellow flags, multiple drivers apparently didn't slow down. Uh, they said Magnussen was under investigation. Then they said they noted it with Perez and Sykes as well. And then they just said, right, we're looking at the whole final two laps. So it could be everyone gets off. It could be everyone gets penalised. Uh, it could be some drivers. Uh, I'll try and keep an eye on that in case anything drops while we're still on air. Chris, yeah, uh, uh, Max said on the radio that he thought Leclerc behind him had violated the yellow flag. Yeah, he did. He complained about that, didn't he? But I actually don't think yep. he had, when I looked at the sector times, it was very, very close between the two of them in the first sector. I think it was more that Max was unaware just how close the clerk had managed to get before the yellow flags came out. Because yeah. I think without the yellow flag, the clerk was in a position to attack him into turn one if he had DRS. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chris, we were uh, previously, we talked about this 40% rule in the yellow flags in one of the earlier shows, but why do you think they would not just put a uh, pit limit speed type of device for a yellow flag speed limiting device in the cars? I, I think it's the way that they handle a, a yellow flag is in such an isolated space, such a small part of the track, you know, a tiny little section, maybe one corner, that it would be a very strange kind of reaction for the car to go from, you know, not quite racing speed, but a lot quicker to then slowing down to whatever limit it's been set because with different corners, that limit would need to be different. You know, you might be able to go through a certain corner at 120 mile an hour and another one at 60. So I think it becomes very complex to do. And and it they do kind of put it in the driver's hands in that scenario because normally a double wave jello means, you know, there's not a car around, but, you know, marshals aren't on track. Um, they wouldn't, you know, it's, it's going to be a dangerous situation if you go and join the accident someone else has had, but you're not putting other people at risk, just kind of yourself. Whereas that's when we see the virtual safety car, like we saw, uh, for Ricardo stopping and Alonso stopping because marshals needed to come onto the track and push those cars. They couldn't have cars going even in a straight line uh, at anywhere near racing speeds. So that's why that limit then comes in. So I think it's just trying to kind of get almost like a, a sliding scale of different reactions to a, a caution zone, essentially, and, and whether they make it just a small little section under yellow flags, a bigger one under virtual safety car or go full safety car. Uh, and I think, to be fair, it's, pro- it's probably about right. It's just... You know, the drivers know they're risking it then, but they're risking penalties if they don't slow enough. And when it happens so late in a race and, and there's still positions to be fought for, they don't want to give an inch to each other. So, uh, yeah, it could be a late night trying to sort out the final classification, but I imagine it'll actually be that a lot of drivers didn't do what they should have. And there might be kind of multiple penalties that apply to everyone and, and we have a, a similar order by the end. Excellent inside perspective. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break. Before we do, I just want to say hey to all the people watching. Uh, I've seen lots of comments coming in. Nick, uh, Kinson says, this season is on fire. Kevin Kelly, awesome race. Judas says, good to see you, Bob. You're the best. Old Timer says, what a race. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, Allstott Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no... Uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special? The water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Allstart beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's, it's got a great tie-in because obviously Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. We're going right to the line in this race for the win. Max Verstappen is leading. Leclerc is closing, 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 coming into the final corner. He looks too far back. He's going to get the DRS out across the line into the final corner. He comes onto the brakes. Verstappen exits the final turn. He's going to just have enough. It's going to be one of the tightest finishes that we've seen in Formula One. But the checker flag is there, and Max Verstappen wins in Saudi Arabia by half a second. He fights Charles Leclerc all the way. He had to work hard to win a lot of races last year, but that is one of the hardest working races that Verstappen will have ever done. All right, well, Chris Medlin's with us, and we got Bob Varsha and Les Kaiser. And, and uh, Chris, you got an interview with Valtteri Bottas uh, uh, right after the race, and we're going to go ahead and jump right into that and hear you had some good questions. Let's go with Bottas. Valtteri, that looked like a, a promising race for much of it, and then you had to retire the car. What happened? The engine temperature started to rise um, initially slowly, but then really rapidly to the point that there was nothing to do on, on track with cooling-wise to make the race so we retired the car not to destroy the engine basically i mean how frustrating is that on another evening where you looked really quick really competitive pushing for for more points yeah i think we were realistically fighting for sixth place i think so um more or less similar performance than in bahrain and i really enjoyed the racing and the car felt good so it is a shame but at the same time a positive thing is that even on this more high speed track the performance seemed to be okay so we we have a good car yeah, just finally on that point, is this uh, an Alfa Romeo that you think will be competitive everywhere you go? Based on these first two races, I think so, yes. But uh, everyone will, will improve, of course, so we need to make sure we do as well. Yeah, they do seem to be pretty competitive. What do you think, Bob? I mean, you think, two questions for you. I mean, do you think that they are going to be able to maintain that competitiveness? And, and what about the reliability this year? It's been such a wild card, and, and Haas has been reliable. But what do you think about those? Well, you know, as Christian Horner said earlier in this hour, 
the development is nonstop. It's a white hot environment. Everybody's always looking for a, you know, a fraction of a second advantage. And so that's what's going to happen going forward. And as Valtteri rightly pointed out, we've got to, we've got to stay in step, you know, because if you're not improving, you're falling behind because everybody else is improving. Having said that, uh, it's interesting to hear that his engine, his Ferrari engine was overheating. I think that's the same problem that afflicted the McLaren of Daniel Ricciardo, which of course is a Mercedes engine. So, you know, that suggests that cooling these hybrid packages, these powertrains um, is a, uh, is a critical element of the whole package that hasn't quite been figured out yet under these new aero rules. So I think uh, that was interesting. And I forgot what your other question was. I was just talking about how, I mean, it's really all the same question, but com- being competitive, oh, Botas is saying they oh, think yeah. they're going to be competitive all the way through. And- well, can, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the Haas situation where Nikita Mazepin's out, plop Kevin Magnuson in the car, and suddenly, you know, you're you're five, six tenths of a second quicker in your scoring points. That's the difference a driver can make. And I think that's the case of Valtteri Botas at Alfa Romeo. I mean, he's got a rookie for a teammate to be sure. So the comparison is probably not fair, but you get a guy with Mercedes quality like Botas, who, as we pointed out in our pre-race show, has gone 103 race uh, races without failing to qualify in Q3. So, you know, Botas got in that alpha, yes, with the improved Ferrari engine, but he's, he's using it the way an ace does. He's quite the team leader there. So, yeah, the driver still makes a difference. I think if it comes down to that, having Botas at Alpha will keep them competitive, just like having Magnussen in the Haas will keep them competitive. Chris Medlin, what time yeah, just is jumping on something? Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say something uh, Bob said there actually about uh, the overheating and the fact that we had it one from a Ferrari car, one from a Mercedes car, and you know we're waiting to see what actually Fernando Alonso's problem was as well that stopped him in the Renault-powered Alpine. But mm-hmm. it was hotter here today. It was hotter today than it has been all week. Uh, the wind was less as well, so there was less cooling in terms of naturally that was happening, but um, it was noticeably warmer during the day, and that that kind of remained this evening. Now, it's not crazy hot by any stretch. Um, it, you know, this is kind of normal temperatures for a, a race anywhere that we will go racing, but as Bob was alluding to, it comes down to how the teams want to cool the cars. They have settings that they put on, and, and kind of the less cooling they're running, the, the more efficient aerodynamically the car is. So they, they're kind of trading off those two things. And in this case, it looks like maybe a couple of teams uh, pushed that envelope a little bit too hard when it was slightly warmer today than it had been the previous two days. And then if you add in you know, racing closely, fighting with people, pushing hard, then you don't get time to call the car. And that is another thing that we used to see, didn't we, that we haven't really seen this year so much, where drivers would drop back into quite a big gap behind another car to call the car, call the tires, call the engine cool the brakes, just try and uh, manage the car a little bit and its systems. Um, and we're getting less of that this year because they're able to race more closely. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's part of the new challenge they've got. Yeah, and you know how this all plays mm-hmm. in. It's all aerodynamically related, related. And we still saw cars porpoising today. I saw Magnuson's car bouncing down one of the straightaways. Chris, are they still talking mm-hmm. about that out there? Yeah, they are. Um, I mean, we could see it with, with some cars a lot. And uh, I was speaking to uh, Carlos Sanchez's manager, uh, and actually Carlos Sainz Sr. as well, on uh, Saturday after FP3. And Carlos had been struggling a lot with it throughout that session. And there's a point he was on the run to turn 13, and you could really see it. They showed like the onboard, and then they showed offboard, and it was as bad as it had been in the first test. So it shows that there's a real fine line that they're all they're kind of like towing at the moment, where if you lower their car that bit too much, looking for a bit more performance, you will create a pretty big problem. It's, it's not gone away. It's just that they now all roughly know where that line is and and they go up to it and ideally not over it well we do have another caller on the line and this gentleman um he does he hauls corvettes for a living corvette mike are there any corvettes running out there out there porpoising right now not that i'm aware of how are you guys (laughs) good Uh, where are you right now anyway Oh, I'm in the cold state of Ohio. Uh, it's cold and snowy, but I'm headed to Kentucky to get some more Corvettes. But I want you guys to think about this one. Uh, Matt and uh, and Shaw Leclerc are, uh, I would think, kind of close competitors right now. But look at the two styles of personality. Max is you know, always for an underdog and they're up and coming. But he's, he's watching white lines, you know. He's not racing. I, I'm just thinking that Charles is so quiet all of a sudden, you know. I think they're equal, 
in their abilities, but they're so different at going to task. That's a good point, Mike. And and the, the commentators were talking about at the beginning of that battle at the end there, where Charles Leclerc was was smartly holding back when he needed to, and Max saw a gap and was going for it. And and it just looked like it took a couple of those cycles for Max to learn. Uh, and, and, you know, you can just tell his tone on the radio. It does seem like Leclerc is a little more controlled and thoughtful, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm no one to speak on that issue because I certainly uh, speak way too fast without thinking. But I was just watching the styles and, and of course, you know, how they how they go about accomplishing their, their goals. And it's... It's an open field. It takes all kinds, and all of them are not pretty in mind. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true, Mike. And, uh, hey, Mike, we appreciate you tuning in out there on, in the trucking land, and we appreciate your call, too. Thanks, buddy. Hey, Chris, Madeline, let me ask you about that impression. You know, we're, we can pretty clearly hear it on the radio that Max is, you know, is very much – uh, his thoughts are, are, are right there in our face, and Leclerc does seem to be more calm and thoughtful. I mean, would you say that when you see them in person? A little. Uh, we've heard Leclerc be a bit uh, animated at times on the radio too, but I, I do think Leclerc's kind of approach is a slightly more chilled one in the car, and I think that's partly their characters too in terms of how easy wound up they can be, uh, and that, that kind of plays into their driving styles. But for for Max, like many drivers, you can hear them on team radio and you think, wow, yeah, they're complaining a lot or they seem angry or they seem fired up. And of course, they're driving amazing racing cars at 200 miles an hour. Like their heart rates are so high. It's hard to stay calm or sound calm. And they get out the car and, and they don't think about it twice. So like, yeah, well, that's just how quickly I have to get the information across to my engineer. And uh, actually, after last week's race, Max was asked about that, about whether he was getting angry at his engineer when he was having trouble and struggling with the steering and all the problems that were starting to hit his car before he retired and he's like well i can only talk to my race engineer uh to giampero uh, lambesi who is his race engineer he said i can only speak to gp so it's not aimed at him it's just getting across my feeling my opinion at that split second in the car as soon as he gets out complete chilled again and i think that always amazes me about these drivers and it was something that was really nice to see with the clerk too uh, today as mentioned, that he was congratulating Max, saying how great it was, how many risks they're taking, how close it was, but you know they're not shouting at each other. Uh, and there's there's some clear respect there, which I, I think actually stems back to 2019. You know, they, they actually had some run-ins in karting when they were a lot younger, but back in 2019, they had a few really close fights. Austria, where Max won, and then Silverstone, when the clerk came out on top by kind of fighting fire with fire. And I think they both saw in each other that they can push each other to a certain limit and know roughly where that is. So. Um, I think that's another reason that, that they probably stayed a little bit more calm than maybe they would if, if they felt someone was driving slightly over the limit or, or driving in a way that they weren't going to be certain about. Yeah, what do you think, Bob? Well, I, I was, as Chris was speaking, I was thinking back to something Martin Brundle said when he was Ayrton Senna's teammate at Benetton back in the day. And Martin said, most drivers use about 85% of their brain power and their cognitive skills to drive their own race car. And then about another 15% thinking about what's going on around them. Whose lap times are better? Where are we on fuel and tires? How much was left in the race? All that sort of thing. But he said Senna was used probably 50% to drive around. I'm sorry. I was thinking about Michael Schumacher, not Aaron Senna. I apologize. Um, he said Schumacher was using about 50% of his ability to, to drive the race car very quickly <laughs> and 50% on picking up what's going on around and asking the team on the pit wall for this, that, and the other thing and pit stop schedules and what the trends were, what was likely to happen and the relative speed of different tires, new or used and all that sort of thing, which Brundle said was you know one of the most amazing things about Michael Schumacher that he could mention. And then, of course, you got guys like Kimi Raikkonen and his famous phrase, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, you know, it runs a gamut. These are all different individuals. Uh, it's great to see that kind of sportsmanship and, and heavy competition, as Chris just mentioned. And, you know, that's what we all came to see. Yeah, I can't imagine using only 50 percent of my brain to drive a Formula One car. I'm using all of mine just to talk on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we had a lot of cars retired today, too, Bob. That was, I mean, let's see. We had all the way we had Sonoda, Latifi, Ricardo, Alonzo, Botas. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, that that's uh, we had that's a that's a big number of retirement cars. I think you mentioned that during the the uh, reliability yeah. discussion, but um, yeah, and I think time would be well spent learning what it was that took those cars out because that's, I think Chris mentioned, you know, could it be more overheating? You know, more people who just haven't got this aerodynamic balance right between low drag and proper cooling. Um, we shall see. We know in the, in Ricardo's case, that was the problem was overheating. Um, Botas the same, maybe Alonzo, maybe, well, Latifi went out when he crashed. Sonoda never started the race. And I don't know what, Alex Albon's problem was, but mm. there you go. Well, let's go ahead and Alex get Albon's our... problem was, was hitting Lance Stroll in the end. <laughs> uh, that was just the penultimate lap. He, uh, he basically tore off the corner of the car by uh, hitting Stroll trying to overtake him right. to turn That's one. That's right. I haven't actually seen if there was a penalty for that yet. I'm going to keep an eye out for that one. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get our last break in. When we come back, we'll wrap up our coverage from today's race. Listen to Speed City F1 from Austin, Texas. Back after these. USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 U.S. Championship, VRD also has programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the Road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. If you want to join the team, go drop them a DM on Instagram at Velocity underscore RD. Talk 1370. Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Go, Chris Medlin. Well, we just had Gunter Steiner there, and now I'm talking to Gunter Steiner. This is like Inception. Gunter. Two points on the board for Kevin provisionally. Uh, firstly, have you heard anything else about investigations into yellow flags at the end of that race? No, uh, I didn't hear anything yet. So uh, I'm here and wait. Yeah, we're, we're doing the same. But if we assume that he does stay where he was, how do you view that result? The car looked very quick at times, but the safety car towards the end, or the virtual safety car, didn't really seem to play into your hands. No, uh, the, the biggest uh, the biggest issue was we started on a different strategy, like two other cars, and uh, uh, the, the 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 safety car came out at the wrong time for us. You know, at the uh, uh, at the most inconvenient time. But uh, on the other side, you can see three uh, three cars stopped out in front of us, so uh, uh, we are lucky that one. But uh, I I think if the strategy would have worked out and uh, uh, the safety wouldn't have come out, we could have been seventh. You know, but if and when uh, you, you cannot get points. But what I'm really happy about is the performance of the car. Kevin is happy. So if he didn't make the points here, we will make them somewhere else, you know. So uh, going forward, uh, uh, I think we are all very, now we know that the car is good. We just need always to find the right uh, uh, sweet spot with the setup. And uh, uh, and Kevin will, and Kevin and Mick will have good results, both of them. Yeah, is it quite a nice position to be in now, the second race of the season, and you're thinking, now oh, ninth isn't quite the maximum this car could have got. We could have had more points. No, it's, it's always disappointing. You always want maximum. But uh, but then if you think about it, you cannot be too greedy. You know, I mean, uh, last year uh, for two points, uh, I mean, I would have uh, the whole paddock, you know. So uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a good place to be. And now we, we need to see what is coming out, if, if you're summoned or not, and what is happening with the, with the yellow flag. But there was more than uh, one driver. I mean, he slowed down. Kevin slowed down. I mean, he was off the time. So I don't see a big issue, and other drivers did, did very similar things. So let's see what's coming out, but hopefully we can keep the two points and go to Melbourne and get some more. 
Yeah, hopefully. I'm sure America doesn't mind, but I'll apologise for the language that was in that, that previous answer. But yeah, you mentioned Melbourne. Uh, you'll have two cars back there. How was Mick today? Are you happy that he'll be fine to, to race in the next race? Yeah, I mean, he will be perfectly fine. You know, he will be perfectly fine that, uh, uh, to race uh, in Melbourne. So the car will be ready and he will, uh, he will be ready as well. So uh, I don't see an issue with it. Great stuff. Good to take very much. Well done today. Thank you. Okay, Chris, you've achieved it all. Gunther said the F word on our show. I think we can just go ahead and shut the whole thing down now. That's <laughs> we'll probably owe him another dinner. He's, he's, Mexican he's, dinner. he's frowning at me that he didn't. He's frowning at me that he didn't say the F word. But I definitely heard him say the F word. What, <laughs> I don't know. Right, I, I thought he said them, what, what, back what of the did you say you would do to the whole whole paddock? Huck them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so that's. So I think that's me apologizing to America for that language. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> Slandering good. good to Steiner by pretending he's poor. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh. Hey, so so good to Steiner is uh they're 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 uh second in the Formula One point five championship. You remember when Gunther, when Gene Haas said there's yeah. there's the leaders, you know, the best of the oh, best yeah. of the best, and then they're one point five. So they're now in fifth place after two races. I think he's got to be happy with that. Don't you guys think? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's look at Constructors' Championship. Ferrari, 78 points. Mercedes with 38. And Red Bull with 37. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So 78 for Ferrari, 38 for Mercedes, 37 for Red Bull, and 16 for Renault. Haas with 12. And Alfa Romeo with 9. Alfa Tari with 8. McLaren with 6. And zero for Aston Martin and uh, Williams. So uh, the producer has just handed me, fresh off the presses, from the FIA, a notification. The stewards have received a report from the race director, summoned summoned documents 50 and 51, heard from the drivers and team members, have considered the following matter. Alexander Albon... Uh, collision with car 18. So let's see. That's Lance Stroll. Lance, Lance Stroll. Stroll. Yeah. Uh, drop of three grid position at the driver's next event and two penalty points. Wow. Okay. So this was actually something with some real consequences. What do you think, Bob? Appropriate? Well, um, well, I guess I'd have to see that incident again. Um, but Albon doesn't have any penalty points since he's coming back to the sport. I'm not sure Stroll's situation. In fact, I'm going to look into that, see who has how many penalty points right now and when those points come off the board um, because the season has been so heated and the racing has been so close. You know, there's going to be penalty points handed down here and there, even though I would say that race director Nels Vittich again is, uh, is, is controlling the race with a fairly light hand. I mean, he's not out there. Uh, throwing penalties around. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to assume it's fair until I can prove otherwise. Mm. Chris, we got about uh, 45 seconds. What do you think about that? Well, I was actually about to say, uh, uh, Bob's right, but what's positive is actually we had Eduardo Freitas here for this race. So we've had one of each race director. So they've both taken the same approach because I agree with him. Like they've had quite a, a light hand on the whole. I actually think that's slightly harsh. Uh, I think the kind of penalty was you know, served by Albon retiring from the race. Uh, yeah, I guess if you cause a collision, you cause a collision. But it looked like you know two guys trying to race hard into turn one late in a race to me. And right. um, yeah, it was it was predominantly on Albon. He was the one who needed some form of penalty. But I don't know if three places might be slightly harsh. Um, maybe that was mm. all that was available to them. But uh, as you say, I don't think he'll have many penalty points. So uh, it'll just hurt yeah. him in Melbourne. Uh, hopefully, those track changes mean he can overtake if the car's quick enough there. Mm. All right, we're almost out of time. A couple quick points. Uh, people on chatting on YouTube love the discussion. Yuri talks about how people maybe confuse the direct and outspoken language of the Dutch with anger and frustration. Good point, Yuri. And Bob, lots of people on YouTube saying they're excited to see you. And same with you, Chris. Everybody thinks it's fantastic coverage. But I want to thank uh, Chris from Saudi Arabia and Bob from his home in Atlanta zooming in. We didn't get to have Jonathan Green. He's doing Trans Am this week, and Dave O'Neill joins us when he can. He's one of the hardest men in working in motorsports. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in on the radio. Thanks for tuning in on Facebook and YouTube. Go to our website, website speedcitybroadcast.com, to check out all our coverage options. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all.
spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.